0: Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go.
1: A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and their strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount mentioned best ever, and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Kevin Moore. Hi, Kevin.
0: Hey, Joe. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, and Kevin is joining us from Jersey City, New Jersey. He is the founder of the Titan Investment Group, a company that focuses on the acquisition of income-producing properties, both single and multifamily. He currently controls over $3 million dollars and investment properties. He's actively doing this. He's implemented a fix and flip strategy, a wholesale strategy, a buy and hold strategy. Basically, all the major strategies he's done it. So excited to have you on the show, Kevin. And with that being said, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more background on your experience and what you're focused on now?
0: Sure, absolutely, Joe. Well, first of all, happy to be here with you. Um, yeah, my, my background is. My, uh, my first acquisition was probably about about 13 years ago, uh, before I really knew anything about real estate investing. I just, I just knew people who were much older than me at the time who were in a position that I wanted to be, and a lot of them were invo- involved in real estate. I kind of liked the idea. And I thought to myself, geez, I got I have to get into real estate. It seems like something I want to do. And, and without really knowing anything, I just knew that I wanted to have a property and, and rent it out. And so with, with that in mind... I, I bought my first property, which was a condo, a condominium in Morristown, New Jersey. I actually bought it to live in myself with the idea that after about a year or two i'd be able to buy another place and then put a tenant in the one that I was the, the original one that i'd bought so um, as as planned I, I I did that after about two years. I was able to purchase another another uh, property in another location, and then I did put a tenant in my uh, in my Morristown property, which I actually still have to this day. And uh, it's been actively rented ever since. And then from there, I, I did that a couple more times. And then um, I figured, you know, I should probably learn a little bit more about some other aspects of, of real estate. And I just started reading everything I could, talking to people that are that are doing what I wanted to be doing and kind of growing from there. And I started just buying additional properties that way.
1: So... With your property that you have in Morristown, was it a fixin' a fixer upper, or was it uh, just move-in ready? And you um, got nice financing and, and moved in, and that was it.
0: Yeah, at that point, it was more it was more a move-in ready. I, I did a couple, a couple little, you know, little updates, um, but again, it was a place that I was actually going to be living in myself. Um, so I, I did some a few, a few real cosmetic things, and then uh, I, I knew it was an area that was very rentable because it's, it's by a hospital, so you have the doctors and the nurses there, and it's just it's near transportation. So I looked at a couple of those different things, and I figured it would be good as a, down the road as a rental property.
1: And I know that you've uh, since evolved the business, as you um, mentioned earlier, and now you're focused more on raising money, uh, to buy larger multifamily properties with investors. Um, and I know you've also raised money prior to this. Uh, so what, what, how have you been able to scale your business from, uh, the money raising standpoint and what have you learned from that?
0: Sure. Well, uh, what I, what I, one thing I've, uh, We've seen in real estate is the the more the more people know what you're doing, the more it seems like people are interested in either getting involved or even helping you if you if you, if you just ask. And um, the way I got into raising money for some of the deals is as I gained more and more of a track record, I had a few people that actually came to me w- without even asking them. They were you know people I'd done deals with, um, had known people who kind of found out what I was doing, and they they had. Free money that they wanted to that they wanted to put into real estate, maybe just for just for passive income for themselves, not actually doing deals themselves, but they just wanted to put their lazy money, I guess you could call it, somewhere to uh, and put it to work. Uh, and that's how I actually got into into raising money, and um and it's been it's been moving along ever since, kind of in that in that way. And now that I'm looking for apartment buildings, I'm starting to network a little bit more and actively looking at people, you know, looking for people to uh that would be interested in getting involved
1: what are some things you've learned and then we'll get into your best ever advice Mm -hmm. but before we do that what are some things you've learned when you have uh been working with investors Mm -hmm. and working with their as you call it lazy lazy money and you know I know firsthand that that's a process of both client management mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, then mm-hmm. and then salesmanship per, uh, and then performance, quite frankly. So what are some things that you've learned throughout that whole process?
0: Sure. Um, well, w- one thing is, uh, is just complete transparency, complete honesty with the people who you're working with to be able to show you know, it's just good to be able to show a track record if uh, if if you can, um, or or if if you know there's some people who are getting into it who maybe don't have a track record. If if you could, if you're able to partner with someone who does, it could it could help you build a little bit of credibility in uh, in that way. Um, but uh, yeah, just just open honesty and just keep everyone in the loop along the way as far as the deals. You know, to keep everyone up to date as far as how the deals are going and and everything else. And if you're Able to obviously do do one or two successfully with with your investors, then they're going to feel more confident and be happy to get into get into more deals with you.
1: All right, Kevin, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I would say know your numbers inside and out, up, down, right, and left, uh, and 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 don't get greedy. Um, and and also I'd say just to um, you know, don't be afraid to look for advice and guidance from those who've. Kind of already been down the path that you're looking to go to. You don't have to you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Every everything you can think of in real estate, for the most part, has been done. So you don't have to try to invent new ways to to do deals.
1: With knowing the numbers, what are some specific tips that you can give the best ever listeners to uh, to practice whenever they're running the numbers on a deal mm-hmm. and initially looking at it?
0: Well, you want to do your due diligence on the area. Um, depending on what your strategy is going to be, I, I do a lot of um, you know buy and hold for cash flow. So you want to make sure that that you're in an area that's very rentable, and you want to know you know pretty pretty accurately where where the rents are going to fall. Um, and what one of my strategies is that when I when I buy a, a property for cash flow, I always try to get it well under its value, and then and then uh, cash out my investors. Uh, and you want to make sure, obviously, the pro- that the property will be appraising at, at where you think it's, it's going to be appraising. Because if, if if you think you're getting an undervalue and all of a sudden it appraises for far less, then all of a sudden it kind of, could kind of throw your whole deal off because you can't do the refinance with the bank that you want to to, to get your investors out of the deal and, and work with the, the, the cheaper bank money.
1: It's an interesting strategy where you raise money from investors, you buy a property that's undervalued, and then you do some work to it, you then put a new loan on it, uh, and with that loan you're able to, in an ideal world, you're able to cash out the investors by giving them some money from that loan, uh, and give them the return, and then you keep the mortgage under your name or your company's name, right? Correct.
0: Under my uh, company's name, I always, I always hold each property in a separate entity.
1: And with that strategy, uh, is that reliant on you also having a full time job in order to be approved for the mortgage? Since you're previously you were dealing with uh, less than four four or less units.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I've you know I've done with a full time job, and I think when I initially started working with. The, there's a one one particular bank that I have to do a lot of work with now, um, and I've built a track record with them. But initially, when I was building my relationship with them, they did to they went through all of the typical, you know, bank uh, background stuff where they're checking your your W two your your um, your income verification, all of that. So the banks So one once you get through all of those initial steps with the bank. Then you know, going forward, they don't really ask me for anything else at this point because they kind of know what I'm doing and they, and, they, and they get it where I could just give a call and say, I have a new property coming down the road. And they kind of just line everything up and, and just roll forward with me.
1: And I imagine that bank is a community bank or a credit union. It
0: is. Yes. yeah, It's a small community bank. Yeah, It wouldn't, wouldn't probably have the same results if you were working with a, you know, a Chase or Bank of America, I, I wouldn't imagine.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, best ever listeners, I talked a- about this, uh, two skill set Sundays ago. Well, actually, I don't know when this episode is going to air. So go back and I believe it was the f- uh, second skill set Sunday that I, I did and talked about the value of portfolio lenders. And Kevin is, uh, a living, breathing example of someone who takes advantage of the portfolio lenders. So, Kevin, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Best ever book you've read?
0: I would say um, there's an author Jack Canfield who I who I really like, who has a book called Success Principles, which is uh, one of my favorites. It's kind of a, um, a motivational book, and it's it's a, almost almost like a a compilation of all of the different motivational type books that you've probably seen. It kind of puts everything between two covers. It's uh, it's great.
1: And best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio book like that one. Best ever personal growth experience and what you've learned from it.
0: I think it was when I first when I bought my, bought my first multi unit. It was a six unit uh, building. I didn't really know a ton about doing that because I've only done single families before that, and ran into a couple of couple of glitches along the way, which we've which we've plowed through, luckily. Um, but it, 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 um, really helped me learn how important the proper team is to have in your corner. And a couple of the members of the original team with the six family unit probably weren't the, I didn't do the, the, the due diligence I should have and, uh, got me in, you know, got me in a couple of hurdles that I had to get over, which luckily I did. But, um, I think that was probably the biggest growth experience working through all of those, all of those issues. And now, you know, learning from that future deals I, I know I know more and more what to look for
1: and what were the specific things that were the hurdles and how would you approach the background check differently for team members
0: sure well uh, this particular six family unit I had a great idea that I wanted to do a condo conversion. In uh, in Jersey City, actually, because I'd known, you know, a, a lot of that was going on at the time, and I said, well, if, you know, if everyone else is doing this, I could certainly do it too. So I <laughs> said, so let me let me just jump into it, and I got a hold of a uh, six-family building, and ended up just working with um, an attorney that I had I had done I I'd, I'd bought a property. He was just the closing attorney on another property I'd bought, um, and I just knew him from that, and. The, the, the main issue with this particular property, when you do a condo conversion, if, if anyone has ever done one before, uh, one, one very important piece to have in the contract is that you have to have a release clause in your contract if you're doing a conversion um, condo conversion, which basically means that, for example, if you have a six-unit building and you convert all six from uh, being six-family to six separate condos, when you sell one... You don't want to have to be responsible for paying off the entire loan, and that's what the release clause is. It allows you to sell one, and then, and then they just, and then they release you from selling, you know, from paying off the entire loan at one time. You could just sell it piece by piece.
1: Very important.
0: My, very important. Extremely important. I could tell you, <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you from personal experience because because my contract did not have that release clause, and we we ended up having. Uh, two two of the units under contract and we had to and they fell through because of that and we had to go rework the entire loan to to do it correctly and uh, ended up uh, ended up just keeping the building as a uh, as a rental unit and, um, and now in fact we're in the in the in the uh, process actually as we speak of uh, going back to our the original plan of selling off each individually
1: best ever success habit you practice Best
0: ever success habit. Um, I would say setting goals and, and important writing them down um, keeps you on track. And I do it's something I do almost daily. Um, kind of keeps you keeps you uh, just in the right in the right mindset. I like to do it right in the morning. Kind of get your day started correctly. Get your get your head right, so to speak, and uh, and keep all your goals um, in front of you at all times.
1: That's something that uh, once I started doing, I actually write them down the night before. Once I started doing, it's amazing waking up the next morning or starting off, in your case, in the morning with your to-do list or your goals, and it's a roadmap for the day, and you feel incredibly productive as you check stuff off. It's just, it's such a simple thing, but it really it's, uh, it's a, produ- it's a pr- productivity tip for sure. Best ever deal you've done?
0: I'm going to say there was, there was a, a, actually a single family flip that I had done not too long ago, in fact, um, which was j- just worked out exactly like you would want a flip to work out. I had, um, one of my, one of my team members that I'd aligned myself, aligned myself with had, had been you know, the type of deals I was looking for, they were able to get a hold of a, a deal that was off market, called me with it and I was able to close on the deal and, um, just basically relied on this particular team member as far as the numbers, because I'd done deals with this person before. And we were able to purchase the property, have it sold before it was rehabbed at three times the purchase price. And uh, it was definitely, a, definitely the, kind of, the kind of deal you're looking for. It was fast and the spread was good and uh, it really worked out well.
1: That's great. And obviously that was, so that was a wholesale deal to another investor?
0: That was actually a fix and flip. So I, I, flip, I was able to flip it to a retail buyer.
1: Oh, so before, but you said you were able to sell it before the rehab was done. So you were in the process of doing the rehab?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, the, the rehab was probably about 80% done in, in the retail buyer. They, they liked it so much, they actually put it under contract before the, the full, full rehab was even finished.
1: Best ever quote?
0: Best ever quote would be from uh, one of my favorite authors, Brian Tracy. Uh, the quote is, you can't fly with the eagles if you scratch with the turkeys. So meaning that you want to surround yourself with people who you are looking to, you know, in a position who you're looking to be in, as opposed to anyone who's uh, going to just bring you down.
1: Love that. I, it reminds me of the the Tony Robbins quote where he's talking to uh, the military and afterwards one of the high ranking commanders um, talks about you know, how the Marines, in this, in this instance, he's talked to Marines. The Marines are uh, just incredibly uh, successful and at a high level of, of competition and just really thriving in the environment. But then when some of them leave, uh, they go down to a level that isn't where they're at right now. And he's like, why is that? And, you know, they were, they were talking about what the answer is, uh, you know, their thoughts on it. And eventually, uh, they, Tony says, well, I think you are the expectation. We are the product of the expectations of our peer group. And, um, when we're surrounded by other Marines in this, in this example, then we're all going to rise up. But when we leave that bubble and we go out to the real world, Um, or, you know, the the civilian life, then we're not surrounded by constantly people who are striving for more and competing at a very high level. Uh, We can choose to surround ourselves with people like that, and you have to design your life around that, but you're not uh, not forced into that environment um, like you would be in the military.
0: Yeah, that's actually, that's exactly it. That's excellent.
1: What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate?
0: Oh, biggest mistake? Um, probably not doing enough due diligence. Kind of goes back to some of the stuff I talked to uh, before. Um, in you know, just really just knowing your numbers uh, inside and out. And um, that would probably be one of the early on mistakes would be uh, not, not getting too excited and thinking with your heart more than your brain. <laughs> and that's, that's important to keep in mind.
1: And can you give a specific example of... That happening on a deal?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I had a, uh, I um, I, I, actually, if you go back to actually, if you go back to that six-unit property um, that I was given the example of before, oh, right? <laughs> that was that, that was probably one of the one of the best examples. I was so excited to get into a uh, a multifamily unit, you know, I didn't have the, the right person looking at the contract to realize one of the most important pieces was was not in there.
1: Yeah, I think also did, did. you know that what your exit strategy was going to be prior to closing on it?
0: Uh, well, I, I did have the exit strategy in mind. Um, it's just that it had gotten it had got, gotten held up by uh, by this particular piece of the contract, so right. I had to change the temporarily change the strategy to a to a buy and hold.
1: What's the best ever place to reach you, Kevin?
0: Um, you can get me at my email address, which is my company name, the Titan Investment Group. At gmail.com.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing your advice with the best ever listeners on due diligence and on working with investors um, and really simplifying the process. And then also talking about your approach to working with investors um, up until this point where you know it's a very straightforward and profitable approach for investors first and foremost and then also yourself where you buy a property for cash flow well under value put a new loan on it after you add the value cash investors out and then you've got the property uh, for your company um, so thank you so much is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to mention to the best ever listeners
0: if anyone's new just uh, any hesitant to get in just make sure you just align yourself with the right people. And don't be afraid to just jump in, get involved. Don't sit on the sideline, get moving.
1: All right, thank you. And I know firsthand that you uh, live and breathe that mentality, knowing that you wake up sometimes at 4.30 a.m. and go biking <laughs> with a, a, a competitive group in Central Park. So yes, you, that's true. you live and breathe that mantra. <laughs> All right, I'll talk, we'll talk to you soon.